0: Okay, so with Hashem's help, first of all, acknowledging the great chesed of the shul for allowing us to use this room, it is Hashem for Thursday nights, um, and maybe for other times during the week as well, but at least for Thursday nights, to be able to have our Chabur in a place that's central, familiar, um, and, a, and, a, and a place which is, I think, a little bit, for, for a number of reasons, practical and also just atmospheric. I think is more conducive to to what we're trying to develop as a chabura, as yidden that are trying to connect to each other, trying to connect to something central where all of us can uh, can connect to Yiddishkeit in a very deep level and connect to Shabbos, which we'll be continuing our Shabbos shirim, um, but with a new setup, and that's what we spoke about, which I'm happy about because I don't really like starting something and then stopping in the middle, and there's no reason really to do that. People are enjoying it, but the shirim are are a little bit too long. and if they're too long for me, they're certainly too long for, for others. Um, and some have voiced that and we're trying to make it so that how people can come together, like we said, people don't have so much brain capacity left at the very end of a long week. There'll be other opportunities for more in-depth shiurim. Um, and so we'll continue with our exploration of Shabbos, but we'll try to make it more of bringing style, um, you know, to retire afterwards and generally in a different uh, kind of ruach. And henceforth, the Chabura shall be named Chaburas Raza de Shabbos, Chaburas Raza de Shabbos. shishi also, you know, it's a chabura. It, it's not a shir. It's not a program. It's a, it's a chabura. It's a chabura of Yiddin that are really here for the same reason because we sense that we want to go deeper. We want to go deeper. So with all of this in mind, tonight we're going to focus on Lag It's also Pesach Maybe we'll get to mention that as well. And we're going to jump in. Hey, great to see you. Thanks for coming. We're going to jump into this teaching, and we'll see how far we get. There's no, no, no pressure to finish all of it. Every word is gold. From Rabbi Meir Shachter Shlita. Rabbi Meir being uh, one of the G'day Breslov Breslev for the last couple of decades in Eretz Yisrael, widely accessible, not just to Breslev Chassidim, but known uh, throughout Am Yisrael as a Tzadik, as a Mekubal, um, as a Kaddish. And I feel particularly connected to Rabbi Meir because there's a family a connection. My father is very, very close with Vyakr Meir and had been since he was a Bacher and so we have a very strong Kesher. But beyond that I did not go one Lagba as a Bacher in Ayat Yisrael without going to Vyakr Meir for Lagba That was my place. I would go to Mehran also when I could but the main thing was like, even if hey, even if it was like between the two, I, 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 would, I would go to Vyakr Meir. Um, and his Lagba is mamish something else. Something else. So this safer of which these pages are, 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 are photocopies of, um, is a small cuntris. It's not like an official hardcover safer, it's a small, softcover cuntris of his, which is a collection of his teachings that he gives over at those Lagobah Emmer events year after year, and each one is a separate mimer. So we're jumping in in the middle of a mimer, because he speaks for a very long time, and we're going to try to get through it. It's easier reading our stories, it's a little bit lighter, and it's, uh, it's just sweet. It's, it's absolutely sweet and beautiful. Uh, the pages should have been stapled the other way, but it's, it's, it's okay. We'll figure that out together. So, with Hashem's help, let's begin. First, Rabbi Akimera talks about a very fundamental teaching from the tzaddik Rabbi Nachman, who begins his Sefer, the Kutumran, even before he actually starts the Sefer, which starts here. Right? This is Torah Aleph. This is where the Sefer starts. So before the Sefer starts, there's a little paragraph on the bottom. That's called the Hashmata Torah. It's the Torah that is like, uh, it's an appendix, but it doesn't come in the back. It comes right in the beginning. It's not part of the Sefer, but it's the foundation, literally, that the whole Sefer is built on. Right? Literally. And that small teaching, I'm just going to say it outside. I don't have time to go through it inside. Rabbi Nachman says that the Gemar Shabbos tells us that the Sanhedrin was going from place to place. They were in Galus, and they ended up in a place called Karim B'Avna. Different opinions why it's called Karim Biafne, but Al Kopanim, they sat around in certain rows like a vineyard. They came to the conclusion through Ruch that unanimously, this is 70 you can't imagine. With Ruch they said unequivocally, the Torah is going to be forgotten from Kla Yisrael. Asida Torah Mi Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai stood up, the 71st, and he told them, no. The Torah will not be forgotten from Am Yisrael. And he quoted a Pasuk to back himself up. The Pasuk says in Devarim, It will not be forgotten from his descendants, right? From the descendants of Am Yisrael. The Torah will not be forgotten. So Rabbi Nachman reveals... A very deep secret, which was hidden in plain sight, and he is the first, This is an original khiddish, which is phenomenal. That in thousands of years of Jewish scholarship, we needed to wait until two hundred and eighty or so years ago for Rabbi Nachman to to, to find this remez is is shocking because it's it's right there. Says the Rebbe. Well, look at the Tavis of those words that Reb Shimon Bar Yechai used to back his claim up that the Torah would never be forgotten. Mizaroi, from which, on a literal level, means the generations of Am till the end of time. He says the pasuk is ki lo'i si shakach mi pizari. The sofi tevos, the last letters of these words, spell, it's a yud, it's an aleph, it's a ches, it's another yud, and above, spell Yochai. Mamish. In that pasuk is encoded the, the father of this Tana, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and a reference to Zare, and a reference to Yochai's children, who would be the one Thousands of years later, to go ahead and to use this very pasuk as a proof text that the Torah wouldn't be forgotten—it's a—it's a pellet. It's—it's it's, you see the way that the Torah encodes everything before it happens in such a dramatic way. thats Rabbi Nachman's teaching. So here he is—is is making reference to that teaching. He assumes that we know it, and and we do. Says. Let's take a look at that Gemara there. When they went to this place of Yavne, and Yavne nimnes hal-achas, may ag'aluya she'gol Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin was exiled to 10 different places, 10 different stops, and this was one of them. He says, this is mamish like the place where the Sanhedrin sat in the base of Mikdash. There was the the, the resting of the Divine Presence. These tzaddikim had the whole Torah open, open book on their fingertips. When they said in their Ruach HaKodesh that the Torah was going to be forgotten, They saw this clearly. It wasn't an opinion. It was a fact that they saw. Racha HaKadosh doesn't, it's not, it's not like a subjective thing. This is what they saw. They foretold a time where there would still be Jews, but the Torah would be forgotten. Looking through the sands of time, all of history, and what Am Yisrael would go through, all the pain and all the suffering and all the persecution, and all the terrible kinds of suffering, and, the, of suffering, and the forced conversions and the Inquisitions and, and the Holocaust and everything that we would go through, Bishnois Bishnois Galusam Haruh Harucha in all the years of their long exile, Kamatman and to them, it, it was an impossibility from their perspective that Am Yisrael would make it. It was just impossible. And their Ruach HaKadosh was right. It was impossible for Am Yisrael to make it. It was. It was objectively impossible. See how he develops this. The Chantar Yisrael that Tatar should remain with an Ammistral, Viz by Annusam, they saw Gadusha he saw this overflowing measure, shall sevel of pain, the ennuuyement suffering Shatiem and As that they would experience, shall call P every kind, every part of Amistral has suffered in some way. Isn't that interesting? There's really no part of Amistral, or no significant part of Amistral that was totally spared any kind of indignity. Throughout the years of Gullahs. And no matter whether you were in Ashkenaz, whether you were in Sephard, there, there, there was persecution of Jews across the board. And so to them, seeing this vision, they had perfect clarity that it's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. For Sefer Shevet Yehuda, he says, take a look in the Sefer Shevet Yehuda. He always quotes many different Sephardim, even rare Sephardim whose author lived close to the time of the Rishayim, <laughs> that's one of the Svarim that you're allowed to learn on Tishabav because it describes the travails of the Jewish people, HaMetaris HaGzairis and that safer describes what HaMisrael are going through, what we've been through. <laughs> and it describes 36 terrible decrees that the Jewish people experience spiritually, physically, Anybody who sees this is shaken up. We can't fathom what we've been through as a nation. We can't fathom it. Which sane person? It's almost strange that they needed Racha but they didn't. You understand? The Racha wasn't about Am Yisrael forgetting the Torah. The Rachakayish was seeing what Am Yisrael would go through. The only logical conclusion that they could draw from this is that the Torah would be forgotten because it is impossible. He says, "How could it be that anybody would have imagined that Am Yisrael would be able?" This very beautifully describes this one lone sheep would be able to escape the seventy wolves, the nations that are trying to devour. Next paragraph, And of course he's saying this in Yiddish, so they bring the Yiddish, which is, it's always like in Svarim that are in Hebrew, but the original is in Yiddish. There are some things that they bring in Yiddish because the Hebrew can't capture it, right? And so they bring this in in Yiddish. I'm not even going to try to butcher it, but we'll just appreciate the fact that it's probably better in the Yiddish for for a Yiddish speaker. Anshul, want to take it away? The Yiddish? Yiddish, no. No, you're not no, you're not a Yiddish speaker? A Yiddish. Ah, is anybody here a Yiddish speaker? zich garnished genart It probably sounds better with an actual chassid. So the this the speeches were given in Yiddish, so it's a recording of the of the drushes. So he says, Hashem has not made any kind of mistake with us in entrusting us with this mission. He says this, that we've survived. And not just that we've survived, but even we've thrived. And this, that the Torah is flourishing in a way that it never flourished. Maybe even throughout our history, at least quantitatively. That's testament to our inborn kashius oirev, right? We're an Ankshe oirev, or we're stubborn people. We're people that can handle things that... No nation could dream of ha- of handling of experiencing. Our from the moment that we were formed, coming up to Shavuos. and indeed we all deserve if we're here, and if our parents and our grand and our and our and our grandparents and our great grandparents and and, and, and the, the Jewish spirit that we contain within ourselves. We are rightly to be called the Banim Shalmakan. How glorious it is to be here in 2023. Al Safa on the threshold of redemption. Still doing this and, and coming together to learn and to connect and holding on to our emunah. We're Banim Shalmakan. We've remained faithful to Him. And we're Zoycheh. To be mamlecha karish baruch, who despite all of the terrible pain that we go through, and here he's speaking about persecution, exile, but think about your own life, and I'll think about my own life, The, the suffering that we experience on a personal, individual level. And we're here, we're still here, we're still here. Taking into account this eternal faithfulness, this eternal bond that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He put out that little clip about one of the Shabbos here, that very first Shabbos here. That's what Shabbos is, right? The Shabbos candles. Every single week we come back and light the Shabbos candles. It's a testament to that eternal bond that we have with Hashem. We can rest assured HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He chose correctly. He gave us a mission, and we are faithfully carrying it out, despite the fact that those among the Jewish nation that are still, quote-unquote, at least consciously or wakefully faithful is a tiny percentage point. It makes no difference. After what we've been through, that's to be expected. And it's our job to do the best that we can to portray a Yiddish kind of health and of, and of, and of shining glory and balance so that we can bring people closer and, and, and so that they can find a path that will infuse their lives with meaning. But again, that is to be expected, right? That's the Ruach HaKodesh. That 70, ach, lahat, member, me, and that's really a Rabbim, right? 70 to, to 1. They, they saw that this is, the, yes, like this is what is obviously the trajectory. So that means that we're Mamash khidish. It's not HaKodesh that 99.9% of yidden are not. Tinek this, that, who has Cheshva? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Right, not our place to judge. It's our place to try to be of service, right, and to help. But we have to appreciate the the smallest effort that we're able to make, and not that we should settle for that. We, we have to, if we're connected and we're awake, we we have to shoot for the stars. But along the way, right, every step to appreciate what a miracle it is to be to be a Jew. What a miracle it is to be a Yid that's still saying Azrei, that was instituted by the Antje Knesset Sagdailah in circumstances radically different than the ones that were experienced by all of our grandparents who passed on the baton faithfully, even though they had every reason not to. That's a miraculous thing. We don't appreciate it. right? We don't appreciate it. He says, Hashem did not make a mistake. Eh? Kaddish Baruch Hu chose correctly. And this that HaKadish Baruch Hu promised to Avram Avinu at the Brisbane ab sarim that at the end we'll make it. We're going to make it in the end. We're going to turn, like the Shreve used to use this Yiddish. I do know, Keravelt used to say, right? That we have to turn over the world. We have to turn over the world. And we will. We will. Laat, We have to be patient. It's a long, patient. It's a long process, but in the end, we will merit to this description of the Navi. Mm-hmm. That a Kurdish Baruch Hu has prepared not for those that do everything perfectly, but To those that are still in the game, to those that are still holding on to a shred of faith, despite experiencing such challenges, both physical and spiritual and then individual, and that, and that keep holding on because they know that this is the MS and it's, it's something I'm willing to fight for, even though I feel pushed down a thousand times. We hold on to this yearning, we're going to make it in the end. vad. Hey, thanks for coming. We have, a, yeah. we have papers here. Ubalvad. <laughs> vad. We're going to hold on. We're going to hold on, and that's what we need to do. It's to hold on. Now let's take a look at that medrash that we began with, which is really a Gemara, the Gemara in Shabbos, but it's an Agadata, it's a story. That there was some kind of so he asks a very simple question. They were all seeing the same vision. Right? Both of them were, had to have been right. They, they were seeing a spiritual representation of the future. That's not something to have an opinion about. That's just a fact. So what was their machloikis really? How is there room for a mechleikis in something that we refer to as mitzias? It's just a fact. How do you have a mechleikis in mitzias? <laughs> this is not subject interpretation. It's just, it's there. Is it going to be forgotten or isn't it going to be forgotten? This one's going to say, yes, they'll, they're going to lose it. Well, which one is it? What is this mechleikis? So what i neglected to mention is that when Rabbi Nachman quotes this Gemara, and he begins his Sefer with this, he says, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, which is parenthetically Gematria, Nachman ben Simcha, exactly, 553, and there's a very deep connection between Meiron and Uman, Rabbi Nachman and and, and Rabbi Shimon. But he begins, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai hivetiach, Rajvi promised that by his merit, meaning if he had anything to do with it, the Torah was not going to be forgotten. And this was a promise that he made al-yadai because of his own, his own merit. Now that's not in the Gemara. If you look in the Gemara, it's just this one said this and that one said this. There's no haftacha and there's no al-yadai says Rabbi Nachman came to Bavarn this question. Because he also struggled with this question. How are they arguing in Metzius? See, he says So he says This tremendous question and challenge. The Rebbe resolves by adding this one word. Hivtiach. What does this mean, Hivtiach? So he says like this. He says, Rebbe Shem Baruchai was no less of a visionary than they were. He also saw Hakal, right? He also saw this. Rajbi also saw what they were going to see. He also saw the same thing. That there's going to be suffering. And there's going to be challenges and travails throughout history. He saw it with the same clarity that they did. That That it's true. The suffering would be so incredibly great that But then Rabbi Shimon dipped very deeply into his own immense holiness. Who can imagine in Zerah Kodesh? it's many passages talking about different things, stories and, and, and conversations with Malachim and Rabbi Shimon. In control of the whole thing, like his spirit was was unbelievably, unfathomably great. We know from the Zarka that Reb Shimon had constant Hashras hashrin. All the all the all the all the, the, the Tzadikim were were with him all the time. It's described that he had a fire surrounding him all the time. He was a great Tzadik. He was a great person. To understand what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yichai is. The Kaidim is Gila Harajbi, to the point, again, he's just demonstrating the greatness of Rabbi Shimon. That before Rabbi Shimon's histalkas from the world, Gila Harajbi Rabbi Shimon revealed, and this is enigmatic, but it's very deep and it's very beautiful, call Yamav that all of his days, as if that's not enough. But Rabbi Shimon, all of his days, every waking moment, and I'm sure every sleeping moment if he slept, was an, was an aspect of Ani Ladoidi. That was his Madrega his whole lifetime, every single second. Ani Ladaidi, I am to my beloved. And then he revealed his Histalkus, which is the day that we're coming to, Rabbi Shimon's day, Lagba Omer, which is the day of his Histalkus. He told his Talmidim that he gila Madrega Nairov and his Gavakazu. He reached a level, such a lofty, elevated level of his Bate, and he revealed to them that now, who he then on the day of his estalkos, he finally reached uh, whatever this means. I don't know. The the my baruch beloved is to me. in It's a, it's it's being subsumed as it were within the, the oneness of a kaddish baruch hu. like Moshe Rabbeinu also is very connected to Rabbi Shimon Bar because Moshe Rabbeinu gives us the Torah of Nigla and Rabbi Shimon Bar gives us the Torah of Hanister. And that's one neshama that you can describe, that it's one neshama that keeps on coming back throughout history. But everybody agrees that there's a very deep connection between Moshe Rabbeinu and Rabbi Shimon Bar yochai And Moshe Rabbeinu also, on the day of his Patira, he reaches Nun Sharibina. He reaches a place that's called Har Nevai, that Rizal says, Har Nun Bai. Right? The 50 gates of Bina enter Moshe Rabbeinu, and he didn't know where he's buried. The Gemara says even Moshe didn't know. And Rabbi Nachman says what it means, that Moshe didn't know where he was buried. Most people don't know where they're buried, because they're buried. right? Mm-hmm. Unless, they, unless they planned it out beforehand, which most people do. right? But he didn't. What does it mean he didn't know, says Rabbi Nachman, because Moshe Rabbeinu reached a level on the day of his where he couldn't know anything, because there was no him to know. He was bottled the Matthias. He didn't have an independent consciousness anymore. He was completely, uh, I don't know the word, aligned, yeah. completely enmeshed, uh, intertwined, interpolated with Hashem. Yeah. What do you mean? Hmm. Wow. So you're saying "calls man that is a There's a me, and then there's a giving. So the way I was thinking about it is that on the day of the patira the vidoidi, that aspect of v'daidi, it's not it's not a me. It's not v'daidi le'ani. It's v'daidi li. It's like the aleph and the nun of ani disappear. Thanks for coming. And all that's left is the yud. It's like it's swallowing me up. Vidoidi li yud. It's like it's like there is no me anymore. It's just yud, and yud is always a reference to Hashem. But I'll call pun, and There's already. Prashanus. But the day that Rabbi Shimon leaves the world, he reaches such a madriga, He says the saw that the Torah would be forgotten. Again, that was the natural way of assessing the situation. If anybody would be privy to see at that time what Am Yisrael would go through, and they would witness. Auschwitz and they would witness the Inquisition and they would see what's going on they would come to the same conclusion. In accordance with every kind of natural estimation. Like we said, all the pain that we'd go through. But Rabbi Shimon dipped again into his own koyach, into his own power into his own merit, into his own zuchus And he promised, All of us see. I like you, said Rabbi Shimon. We all see the same thing. But the difference was is that they were seeing things without Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon was seeing things from the perspective of knowing just what he was capable of. By applying his Kayah, both spiritually, meaning on a metaphysical level, and on a very practical level, in terms of what he taught Am Yisrael, in terms of the chizik that he gave Am Yisrael, in terms of the way that Rabbi Shimon made it so that a Jew can go through whatever he or she goes through, in, again, in their individual lives or as part of the cloud. and their understanding of their Kesher to Yiddishkeit goes so much deeper than whatever they may happen to see in the mirror. Or whatever they may happen to know about their behaviors, it's essential. Rabbi Shimon revealed all the teachings about the neshama's bond with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Imal, all these ideas, because it's a nishmasa the araisa, so it refers to that place in the Torah where it, it's beyond earning or deserving. It just is. Yisrael ala b'machshavat chila. Kol Yisrael b'nei malachim heim is Rabbi Shimon right. So those teachings, very practically, kept us going. So it's not just in his sechus in his koyach. Very practically, the Hashkafas that Urb Shemim introduced into Yiddishkeit by revealing the Zara Kaddish, because at that point in history it was time for that layer of disclosure, which continued with the Arizal, which continued with the Balshem and the Gural and Minehem, in their own B- B- Bateh which continued ultimately, at least from a Bresla perspective with Rabbi Nachman, further and further degrees of revelation of this. Because Am Yisrael wandering further and further from Har Sinai would need... Deeper and deeper infusions of light to illuminate their position in the darkness of the pit within which they were continually sinking. That's all Rib Shimon. Rib Shimon is that light. Or Mufla, Roy Mala. We're going to dance around a, a bonfire somewhere, or we, hopefully we'll get to five break together. We have a few events going on, but Ezra Shem, the evening bass, hopefully is going to be very, very beautiful. Very beautiful. I'm not touched a guitar the whole sphere, and it's like uh, I'm itching, so it's, it's extra special. Um, you know that, that re uh, reunion Rav Shimon is, is H. Rib Shimon is a fire and fire is really two things fire is clarity it's light and fire is warmth and that's where Rib Shimon is light and warmth light meaning clarity into what's really going on what's really going on who you really are beyond what you may struggle with or, or, or mistakes that you may have made clarity into yourself, clarity into big picture understanding of what the world is, that the world has a soul because the Torah has a soul and HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world with the Torah and the Torah has a soul so then the world has a soul to be able to look at things with deeper eyes. This is the Koyach of Reb Shemin that's kept us alive in Gullos. And so they were seeing things without the presence of Reb Shimon, But Reb by Yochai, and this is the Lashon, Hivtiach even though everyone sees that the Torah is going to be forgotten but who he will step in to prevent this from happening that means you and me are sitting here now in the schus to put this into different terms, Lag Boimer is not simply a, like it's just a study, a side thing that has developed some strange menhagim over the years, and some people you know recognize, it some people don't recognize. We don't say Tachnun. Is it his yard side? Isn't it his yard side? Machlekes and whatever. It's not. A, it's not a. This is not a side thing. This is literally the absolute foundation upon which every facet of our Yiddishkeit, the Arisa, the Rabbanon, Shalash, uh, Regalim, every Mesecht and literally relies on the foundation of Lagbaimer, Pile Plois, in accordance with what we're saying. We are here today because of Rav Shimon, because of what he accomplished, because of what he taught, because a Torah without Nishmasa, the Arisa, is like a goof without Nishama, and it cannot last very long. The longevity of a guf, of a which without the neshama would wither within a matter of days, is due to the presence of the neshama. And of all we have is so that's not going to last without an infusion of the vitality, consciously or subconsciously, whether we're aware that it comes from nister, that no matter the simplest mitzvah that you do is already filled with so much light and so much secret, it would be almost unrecognizable if we were to remove the influence of the Zara Kaddish from Yiddishkeit. It'd be unrecognizable to us, even to those that are so-called, ra- you know, like rationalist Jews, which is a, a ridiculous pair of words. What does, that, what does that mean? There's nothing rational about waving plants around. It's ridiculous. Yiddishkeit's not—it's not rational. It's not irrational. It's super rational, super rational, right? There's, there's no good. There's no, <laughs> whatever. I'm not going to go down that whole road now, but. It, Yiddishkeit is filled with so much secrets and so much mystery and it's the mystery that keeps us hoping It's the mystery that keeps us alive Because the way that we see things on the surface I would I would have given up a thousand years ago I'd have given up this morning I'd have given up any time that I go on the news and I read what's going on in the world I'd have given up if all there was to what's going on it is is this I don't mean you, you find wonderful people. I mean what's going on in the world? Rabbi Shimon brings the neshama into things and tells us, "There's, there's more. There, there's something worth hanging around for. There's a process that's unfolding." So Rabbi Shimon was the one that took it upon himself. We'll just do one more paragraph. Take a look at. Um, it starts. It says "tsadi ches" on the top. The foundation of the chizik of Rabbi Nachman, but it's, it's, it's an extension of the chizik of Rabbi Shemin. It's all the same thing. This that Hashem says to the Prophet, through the Navi Malachi, Hashem, in a moment of just... Of, of, of total disclosure. it's like, because Hashem is always sending us little hints, you know, like, I, I tolerate you, I'm okay with you, the Pasikh Hashem or don't think that I chose you for you, it's because of the others, but then a called this Malachi lays it bare. Hashem says, You know something? I have to ask. I absolutely adore you. And the Chizik of and the chizik of the and the of Rabbi, all the tzaddikim Zeh Echad vi Echad Mamesh. This is not talking about the collectivity of this idealistic concept of the chosen nation that Hashem loves. It literally means me. And it literally means you. And you and you and all of us. Ahafti eschem, each one of you individually, Amar Hashem no matter what you are going through like a father loves his child no matter what he is going through every single Jew needs to know this and not just in like this like cliche kind of way like oh you know Hashem loves you in a very very deep way because we have to understand what Hashem is and what loves is and what you is otherwise it becomes a hallmark card Hashem loves you okay so put a sticker on on your car you know which is still good, but to come to the definition of what it, what it means, me, what it means Hashem, and what it means loves, that's something that we need to explore, something that we need to understand. What's the nature of this love? And how does that align with some of the ways that I find myself acting or, 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 or stumbling over? Like, how, 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 does this, how does this fit? Who am I? And who is this being Hashem? And what's the nature of his love? But, A love ladas, ki shay gavaya ma'ay. Every Jew needs to know that his Shayrish, again in the panemius, in the, in the essence of who we are, is extremely and incredibly lofty. Ki baruchu we are the reflective embodiment of Hashem's initial thought, the creative spark that Hashem began the whole Seder Hashem was creating the world with. We can never fathom the holiness of our souls. We can never fathom it. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Am Yisrael through his Navi I loved you. I loved you. I love you. Rabbi Nachman reveals this is every Jew. He needs each and every person. And he's close and he's present with every Yid even if that Jew should be found in the the lowest place. Whatever category of lowliness maybe even all of them. I'm sure even all of them. He says that our Jews that find themselves in a very, very dark place, in a low place, in a confused place, in a frustrated place. And he says they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna give up, as so many Jews did. It was just the yardside just now, the Yablana Rebbe. Anybody heard the story of the Yablana Rebbe? Very, very briefly, because it's a bit of a long story, but just briefly, and I promise we we'll make this year I'm shorter, but very, very briefly, that's yeah, a new sign, something I struggle with. But very briefly, there was a, there was a yid called Rabbi Cheskel Taub. Cheskel Taub was the name of all the Mudjits, you know, it was a, the dynasty. was the name of the of Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Cheskel of Kuzmir, who was the Forebearer of the of the of the Majid's dynasty, but they're all called Yecheskel Taub. But the last name is Tab, That's the Majid's name, and they're all called Yecheskel after Rabbi Yecheskel Mikuzmir. So there was this Yid who inherited the the the, the mantle of leadership in a Hasidus called Yablan, which was a, one of the offshoots of of uh, of Majid's before the war. And it was a pretty sizable Hasidus. He had a couple of hundred Hasidim and he had a shul and a whole thing he was a very young man when he became the Rebbe he was Mamish leading hundreds of people and he was incredibly incredibly pure and incredibly passionate and incredibly deep and sensitive and he was Mamish a real Rebbe a real Rebbe and after World War I it became clear to him that Mashiach is mamish coming at, at, he uh, is, is about to come and he felt that it was very important to emigrate to Eretz Yisrael which There was nothing there, right? It was Palestine. Um, There was really nothing going on. And he tried to collect funds and he eventually convinced the wealthy Hasidim there to invest in buying large properties, large segments of land there. So that when he would go with the with the chalutzim, you know, the pioneers, and work the land and develop and and and, and build, then those chassidim would be able to come and they, they they'd have land that they invested in and uh, let others do the work, so to speak. And this was the arrangement that they had. They bought very large plots of land. They he he traveled and he convinced hundreds of chassidim, large the, the the majority of his chassidim, to travel with him to Eretz Yisrael. These were people that left everything behind. Their families behind. They left everything behind and they came to a place, the land that they had bought, and they decided to name this place Kfar Chassidim, right? which is a big yeshuv today. But they began to develop this land, and it was, it was just failure after failure after failure after failure. None of them had begun to imagine the hardships that they would experience to the point that, first of all, the, the, there was a drought, uh, you know, a couple of years after they moved there, people of Mamash, they had no they had no water to drink, um, they, they didn't know what they were doing how to develop land they couldn't make any money the funds from Europe started to, clo- started to close uh, there, there was, it seems that there was malaria there were mosquitoes that were, that were biting people people were dying it was mamish like it was a failure of a failure of a failure of a failure so bad did the situation get that the Ablana Rebbe felt that he had no choice but to sell the land that the Hasidim back in Europe had invested in to others and then carry on as sharecroppers because they, they just it wasn't it wasn't working. It wasn't working and people were mamish dying it was a case of nefesh. And can you imagine how broken he was. There are pictures, I have pictures over here because I just spoke earlier to the Chavre, the Clubhouse and I told this story. This is the Ableh Rebbe before the war. Very sensitive, you can see very gentle Yedi He almost looks farty, that's how gentle and, and holy he looks, but he wasn't. <laughs> and and this is him, the Rebbe with his Hasidim, who like had just come from like Poland or, or I'm not sure if it was Poland or Ukraine or or where, and they're standing out there with like axes. These are Yidden that were like in the base medrash, you know. And they're out there in the fields doing work. Wasn't it wasn't simple. Here's the Yablana Rebbe sitting next to Rav Cook who came to visit, surrounded by all the Hasidim that he convinced to move with him to Eretz Yisrael. That was the statue. It was Mamash the Rebbe. Finally, Push came to shove. He didn't know what to do. The Mamash had no money. And he said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to travel to America a couple of months, make a couple of ruble over there, you know, collect, collect funds, and I'll come back after a fundraising trip. He had a family in California, and this is where he went. While he went, World War II broke out. He wasn't able to travel back, so he was living there as a, as a from, you know, obviously extra from, so to speak, Yid and Admar um, in the community. But slowly but surely, as news of what was happening in Europe started to, started to make its way over the ocean, the one two punch of like the failure in Palestine and, and the, the destruction of European Jewry was too much for him, and he, he left. He left. He left everything. He shaved his beard and payas. He changed his name to George Nagel. He obscured all records of where he had come from, broke ties with every single person in the firm community, lived by himself in the suburbs somewhere, and began to work in a shipyard because that was his profession. And this is how he lived for decades and decades and decades, nobody knowing anything about him, so much so, actually, parenthetically, an interesting anecdote. Once I'm telling the story, I might as well tell it right. One tiny anecdote, and I hope you'll forgive me. One tiny anecdote is that old habits die hard. You know, I'm just, I'm just I can't break out of it. But I'm trying, I am trying. I am trying, gosh, I am trying. I'll wrap it up. Um, one person that he had a connection with in the Hasidish community, who, ha- who he made sure, literally swore that he would maintain secrecy, wasn't going to let people know of his identity, one time convinced him to join a Shalashudas. There was a big rebbe coming from somewhere, and they were doing a Shalashudas with the Hasidim, and he told him, he slept him, kicking and screaming. He had, him, he had him come, and he sat there around the table looking completely out of place. And he was sitting next to his friend, and across the table was sitting... One of the Hasidim from the, from the place. Listen to this. It's all recorded. You can look it up. In the middle of the Shalashudas, his friend is telling over this story. He hears the Hasid sitting across from the Yablana Reb, George Nagel, telling his friend, this is called the Shalashudas. He says, "Ah, oh, I remember back in Europe when I sat by the Yablana Rebbe. Ah, that was the Shalashudas. That was it. Can you imagine? And across from him on the table is sitting, is sitting the Ablanareva. Pile plays. He actually started to make the news because at the age of 78, he decided when his, sh- his uh, shipping, whatever company fell apart, he decided to go to school. And he graduated from college and he made national headlines as one of the oldest graduates of that particular college. And this was, this was George Nagel. At the very end of his life, Someone contacted him and told him, listen, take a trip to Erie Strong. Come back to your, your place. I mean, the people are completely oblivious as to who you are, what, what's happened to you. It was back in the old days, you know, there was nothing. He just disappeared. Mom just disappeared. Somehow they convinced him to come for a trip. And he came. He came and he visited, and along this visit, I'm just going to read you a couple of lines here, because it's also shykh to pesach shaini and it's also Shaykh to reb shimon, and it's also shykh to never giving up, and it's also shykh to will make it to the end, and it's also shykh to believing in ourselves, not giving up. The day arrived, and George landed at Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. A car was waiting to pick him up for the one-and-a-half ride to Kfar Chassid, and the car drove through the entrance of the village and stopped at the nondescript house in Rechov HaMeyastim, where George's niece, Arella, lived with her husband, Mordechai. He hadn't seen her for 40 years. Arella ran over to George and hugged him. Welcome home, uncle, she bubbled. We have a surprise for you. A surprise? He wasn't sure if he liked the idea of a surprise. He was a very shy, he was a broken person. He was just a broken person. Imagine how he felt in the inner recesses of his heart about what he had done and the guilt that he felt. He was, he was a broken person. He wasn't one for surprises. Yes, she replied, but we need to drive up the road to the social hall. There are a few people who are waiting to meet you. They arrived at the hall, which was packed with hundreds of people who had gathered to meet the man who had put Kfar Hasidim literally on the map. Old and young, religious and secular, everyone connected to the village was there. A seat at the front was left empty for George. And as a hush descended, he slowly made his way toward his seat and sat down under the large welcome sign that adorned the front wall. Surreal, right? Totally surreal. An elderly man stood up and turned toward George. Rebbe, do you remember me? He asked. George looked at him, trying to figure out who he was. I'm not sure. He said, are you Chaimka? Chaimka Geldfarb? Chaimka smiled, yes, Rebbe, it's me. His voice was hoarse with emotion. On behalf of all the residents of Arkfar, I want to welcome you back home. You are probably nervous to come here. Listen to this. Deep, deep you say this. You probably think we are angry with you. You probably think that because you brought us here from Poland, away from our homes, away from our families to build your dream, not ours, and then it all went wrong, so you think we are angry that it all went wrong. But Rebbe, if that's what you think, you're mistaken. Because, Rebbe, you saved our lives. If it were not for you, we would have all been killed by the Nazis. Look over there, Chaimka pointed toward a group of people in the middle of the hall. That's my son and his wife and children. And next day, my two daughters with their husbands and children. My parents, my uncles, my aunts, my brothers, my sisters, and their children, all murdered by the Nazis. But we came with you, Rebbe. We built this place. We founded this village. We survived. And you were the one who saved our lives. And for that, we thank you. Thank you for our lives and for the lives of our children and our grandchildren. We can never thank you enough. Chaimka sat down and an old woman rose to speak. Rebbe, do you remember me? George looked carefully at her. Shendel, is that you? Shendel, yes. But now they call me Shoshana. Shendel had a lump in her throat as she spoke and she struggled to get the words out. Rebbe, Rebbe, where have you been for so many years? We missed you. We needed you. Without you, we would all be dead. We would not have our beautiful lives in our beautiful Israel. Why did you leave? Everything turned out okay in the end. Look at us. Look at how lucky we are. We escaped from the murderers. We built our own homes in God's promised land. You said we could do it, and we did it. Shendel began weeping. Tears flowed down her cheeks as her daughter next to her put an arm around her shoulder. Her, sho- her shoulder. Rebbe, come home. Shendel sobbed. You've been gone for far too long. It's time for you to come home. There was dead silence beside Shandel's muffled sobs. George looked around the hall. Everyone was looking at him. He looked down at his hands and then at the floor. Slowly, he got to his feet. This will end. My friends, my dear, dear friends, he began. I am so moved by this warm welcome. I don't have very much to say. I have missed this place and all of you so much for all these years. I never understood how this place, how much this place meant to me and how much I meant to you until now. I never thought about what you just said. I never thought about the fact that I saved your lives, only about all the lives that were lost. I never thought about what I gave you, only about what I took away from you. But now it's all become clear. He paused for a few seconds, you could have heard a pin drop, then George whispered slowly, deliberately, it's time, I'm ready, I'm coming home. I'm ready, I'm coming home. And he sat down. There was a moment of silence and suddenly the hall erupted in applause. Everyone rose to their feet and applauded It went on and on as George made, made his way through the hall and shook everyone's hand, smiling broadly. The Ablana Rebbe had returned to Kfar Chasidim, and now he was going to move back. He wrapped up his affairs in LA. He grew his pace and his beard and he became the Rebbe again. This is him at the end of his life with the beard. And they accepted him fully. He ran Titian, Shalashittis, like nothing happened. The story is about subjective perspective. How we see ourselves. How many people give up because they're focusing on Nikudas that they feel, this is who I am, this is what I've done. And so, finished. And the Rebbe says, okay, but do you know how many lives you also saved? Do you know how much is gained through the process? Do you know how much your efforts are bearing the torch of generations of babas and zedas who cried and sacrificed for you as you are? Which is already a bonus. Which is already supernatural. Which is already Rib Shimon's light of Netzach Yisrael Shakar. So the Rebbe says, there are people that have given up. There's no hope for them. And this is a reference to Rebbe Shimon. But Sadik needs to have the power to awaken them. Never, ever, ever to give up. No matter what you've done, and no matter what you're experiencing, Ancient years, for them, klal, klal, l'haris leb to show to them, l'ha'ir be'emr, Shimon's <laughs> light, ki adayin Hashem imam, ve'etzlam ve'karav l'hem, va'afilu be'seicha aretz mamish. Hashem is close to you, near you, next to you, even when you're buried six feet under. Hakadosh Baruch Hu ki viyachod sarich Hashem, so to speak, needs us. He's called echad ve'echad mi'tanu, va'alenu hu aimer. And about each and every one of us, he said. Ahavdi Eschem Amar Hashem. This is Lag Boomer You come to Lag Boomer It's a day where The panemius of Torah is shining The panemius of nature is shining But most importantly And this is why you see That everyone comes to Miron What is it that calls them? I don't know But whatever it is That's calling them Is not calling their appearance it's not calling their communal affiliation it's not calling what shul they happen to dive in or how they happen to spend their time or where in Europe their family is from it's not calling the fact that they're either Svaradi or Ashkenazi it's not calling the fact that they either wear a velvet yarmulke or a a kippah surga it's calling them it's calling the Liby air that abides beyond the facade of a new That's that's Lagboim that's like and so I bless us to be able to, and and we are to connect to the Ohr of Rishimen, to be Rishimen people, to literally develop eyes that just they don't, it doesn't see anything chitzani. Just it's loyala aladas, it's leibah becheshven. It doesn't. That's not. That's not what we're in this for. It's the, the small minded externalities of what it means to be an Orthodox Jew in twenty. No. Netzach Yisrael, that we connected to Tyrus MS. it's beyond all of this. Never, ever, ever to become confused as to who we are and how close or how far from Hashem we may feel. the the Should be to connect to this. Unlike should to all the of It's a big day, and Pesach Sheni tonight, tomorrow we should try to matzah. And uh, to remember that it's it's never too late for a, for a Pesach Sheini. like the Helig Yablana Rebbe, which by the way I didn't have a picture of it. But if you if you go to the place where he's buried in Kvar Chabad and you look at the gravestone, which I saw a picture of, I was never there, you would think that, that it's mamish a gravestone of a, of an Admar. No mention, mamish the whole thing. Ha Admar, this, and that, with all the titles, Echad Sadek V'Karisu and the whole thing, because Ben Markim Chuba Imdim. But what's so beautiful about it is because he didn't leave because he didn't believe. He didn't leave. He left because his feeling of shame and guilt was so overwhelming that he couldn't permit himself. He, he, he thought that he no longer deserved it. And he discovered that there's no such thing. L'chaim, Thank you very, very much. I popped into my head to say the story. I'm, I'm happy I did, even though it uh, ended up being an hour anyway. <laughs> The can